0: Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come see what we've got. Our next show is... morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody, and a very, very, very happy new year. Welcome back here to SelfDiscoveryRadioTV.com and to my show, Choose Positive Living. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and I'm very, very delighted today to introduce you to one of our new hosts, Kimberly Adderley, affectionately known as Kitty. So Kitty, she is going to be. She's a holistic psychotherapist, health coach, educator, mentor, who focuses on cancer and uh, diabetic rehabilitation. She's from the Caribbean, and she can bring us that lovely Caribbean flair to everything that she does. And uh, she's dedicated professionally uh, to giving everybody a magical touch uh, touch, combined with her knowledge and her experience and and helping people get through all those challenges, things that happen after the process. Once you've had the operation, you've been diagnosed, you're going through the therapy, what now? You're having the help right at the beginning, but what happens afterwards? How do you rehabilitate? How do you recover? And her show, which is going to be filled with all this wonderful knowledge, is going to be called Recovering the Whole of You, because it is a mind, body, spirit, and soul experience in recovering the whole of you it's not just tending to the body it's the wholeness that we need to tend to in order to bring you back to a fruitful life again a life of of love and productivity and good health and we need somebody along the way who knows what they're talking about who can guide us on that journey but understands what you are going through okay and kitty is the person for you so today we are going to introduce you to kitty her new show is going to start this week here on january 1st on um selfdiscoveryradio.com under the wholeness uh, of you and we're looking forward to all that she brings but right now let's introduce kitty welcome love
1: thank you so much for having me sarah
0: Uh, This is a delight, and we're really honored to have you here on this network and the wisdom that you're going to be bringing to us. Um, It's not just the knowledge. You know, I know from talking to you quite a bit now that you come from heart. You really do care about people's recovery, and you've got the skills, you've got the knowledge, you've been doing this a long time, and you've got your own practice, but it's it's bringing that all together holistically towards someone, not just the facts. They want to know somebody cares, and you are definitely that caregiver.
1: I try to be. I've, I've my years of practice. I've had to create or become that that nurturer, that caregiver. If I wanted to get um, good results, good thorough results, I had to meet people where they're at and cover them as much as I can with my skill sets. Yes.
0: Yes, and you know the, there's people with knowledge, they can Google things, they can read things, but that doesn't give you that, that wonderful personal touch of where somebody can really look at you in the eyes and go, I understand, I'm here to help. And very often when somebody's going you know, through recovery, they just really want to know that somebody's there for them, that somebody cares, don't they?
1: Yes, definitely. They definitely want that. And they tend to look for people that have had experiences with it before, whether as a caregiver or as the actual survivor, somebody that can bring with them some assurance or expectations of what's to come. Because I find that ambiguity is the biggest stress for a lot of people because they do not know what to expect. They tend to get very stressed and, and then the energy that they should be taking to heal and be mindful. They're worrying about what but I don't know if I'm doing things right. And and that has definitely been a way of, of providing that information to help people go through that healing recovery process a lot easier and less stressful.
0: And you know people have got to understand is that you're never going to go back to being the old you. You know, there's a new paradigm here. There's a, uh, a new realization. If you've had cancer or you, you now have diabetes, you have to adjust to who you are today. And it's a, that means a little bit of a mourning of the person that you once knew. It's an adaption to the person that you are in the moment. But it's also the excitement of what you can be, you know, at full recovery. But you're never, you know, I want to be as I used to be. Very rarely is somebody going to get back to being how they used to be, are they?
1: Yes. Um, you know, like I tell people, you know, you're not the same person that you were last mm-hmm. year on your last birthday. Mm-hmm. You have different experiences. Your body's changed. You've gotten a little older, right? And so taking that into account, you now have to to accept who you are or who you're becoming it's it's becoming who are you becoming you know and give yourself the opportunity to be the best you at whatever stage your body or your mind or your spirit is going through and being able to accept that but also being aware that things that you may do to to make the situation a little better a little easier for yourself yeah don't
0: beat yourself up because um and everybody recovers at a different level you know uh oh well so so did it in two weeks you know um and then you feel oh i'm a failure because i didn't well you know who knows what you know your dynamics are and what you're facing uh, the layers we all have multiple layers that we have to go through and it it really is kind of a, a systematic thing isn't it in recovery of what you address step by step and i think one of the big things people have to be is patient right
1: they do have to be patient. Um, and, you know, you brought up a very valid point that, you know, while it's good to have somebody else's story, it's still not your story. Mm-hmm. Your body is different. We're individuals. And I think that's what makes um, being a good caregiver, being a good healthcare provider so important that you have to be able to address everybody as an individual like we all have what we call our clinical practice guidelines right these are guidelines that we found work the best for this population of people but we all know that we have to tweak it because not everybody is the same that body is different somebody's body may have been exposed to another disease process or a different condition the social determinants the family structure the environment the availability to different medications and different um Procedures are different, so you can't judge yourself on somebody else's story. So while it's good to have their their experience, your experience is going to be different. Even if it's different by a degree, it's still going to be different. And you go back to the word of being patient again, mm-hmm. being patient and mindful that this is your process and you have to take your time and go through it, being guided with the best information. Right.
0: And being guided with love. I mean, that's, again, I think something that's so important, you know, um, I've done a couple of shows with caregivers and uh, you know, one we did was, you know, uh, who who don't forget the caregivers you know and for so many that you know it's it's a 24-hour job or it's um it's a burnout and it it could be very very hard on people and i think in your recovery you've got to remember not just the professional caregiver but the people that have stepped up in your arena and that you need that support, but at times you've got to be careful not to be too dependent on them because of course resentment or burnout or anything else happens is that to use them as the crutch to get back on your own feet, but don't use them to become your feet, right?
1: Definitely. Definitely. And, and this is where communication is so important as well. Um, in many instances, we find that we don't communicate as effectively as we should, because we're trying to anticipate what the other person wants or expects. You know, you don't want to, I don't want to complain because I don't want the person that's going through the, the recovery to feel that I'm not being empathetic or sympathetic with them. But at the same time, I need some attention and I need some yes. love. You know, there are many situations that we see where the caregiver is the one at the end that needs the medical attention because they've ignored and neglected themselves. And then we also have the flip side where the patient or the person that's recovering doesn't want to ask because they don't want to be a bother. And sometimes all it takes is just a conversation. Granted, you know, nothing happens in isolation. So there are previous relationship issues that may be present. And so sometimes the healthcare provider has to step in and create that safe space and says, look, this is what we're going to do. This is a plan of care and this is the process that we see that's going to happen or we anticipate that's going to happen. And you as the patient we expect this to happen and you as a caregiver, we expect that to happen. Do you have any questions, concerns? Mm-hmm. Are there anything, is there anything that you want to ask? And, and creating that safe space is yeah. very, very important. I think it, it really allows both parties well, the three parties, right, and the, the healthcare care provider as well, and then bringing in the survivor and the co-survivor and saying, look, this is what we need to do. If we're going to be a team and we're going to get the best outcomes for everybody involved, right, you want to make sure that we have this discussion and always know that, you know, let's have a check-in every week or every two weeks that you can ask me these questions or if there's something you are uncomfortable comfortable with. But communication is so very important and vital during this process of recovery.
0: Very, very, very important uh, in a communication. Um, You know, I've been one of those people that went it alone, didn't want to burden people, suffer in silence, the whole martyrdom and everything else. But it's, you know, kind of, I'm I'm one of those just get on with it type of things and I miss not having the support and one of the lessons I had to learn in life is to be open to receive and to actually understand that somebody else stepping up for you is their gift to you don't slap it in the face right yeah um and so we have to be willing to ask for help we have to be willing to accept it and of course, we're going now to balance. Uh, as a caregiver, don't do everything for the person because you're meant to be there to empower them to do it for themselves. So you have to measure is this the day where no, take a rest, I'm going to do it for you, or is this the day that they're going to have to say, uh, uh, up you get, we're going to work together. So again, there's always that balance of how much care you give and then how much care um, you become dependent on that stops you from stepping into your own recovery.
1: Right. And that's why goal setting is so important because you're going to get objective um, markers, right? And we're going to say, okay, so in two weeks, we expect you to be able to do this for yourself. So let's say um, you should be able to prepare your own meal in two weeks, mm-hmm. right? And there's certain things that we're going to look for. And in two weeks' time, the goal is to work you up to that point. So if at two weeks you're not preparing your meal, then we need to evaluate why aren't you doing this and what it does. It, it gives the patient or the, the recoverer a goal to get to it lets the care the caregiver know look I'm not going to be doing this for the next 25 years yes, right? Yes. but it also gives the med- the healthcare provider an opportunity the physical therapist in my case an opportunity are you meeting your functional goals that if you aren't meeting them why what are we missing if there's something right. that I'm not addressing on this end but this is why I really love that opportunity to communicate and, and to put the goals out there because it makes everybody accountable and yes it makes it, it gives that accountability is so important with this because we want to check um check, mm-hmm. check those boxes you know as we go through
0: mm-hmm. but you know the word accountability is so important because we've got to understand whatever's happened has happened to you don't beat right. yourself up of why me or anything like this. It is what it is. You've got to go through the process, whatever the process is. And once you've kind of gone through that initial process, it's the recovery process. And yes, you're tired. And maybe you're feeling depressed and feeling despondent. All those types of things are quite natural, right? But the whole idea is to get you through that process onto the other side in discovery of your, your courage, your strength, your tenacity, and your ability to, to get over this and discover something new about yourself that you can take forward. So it's, I think for a lot of people that are going through it, there's always that fine line of, I haven't got the strength or, um, you know, giving up or the, you know, that whole despondency that comes in there and there's a time to nurture that and coach someone through it. And there's a time to say, uh, uh-uh, uh, your life is your responsibility. Get up and take ownership of it.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. And um, the other good thing about it, too, is that sometimes people have not had the ability to do this before. You know, we all have come from different backgrounds with different expectations. And sometimes people aren't challenged. You've never had that experience to be challenged. Maybe you were coddled all your life Mm -hmm. or not even coddled. You just didn't have. Nothing ever happened to you before, right? Suddenly you're bombarded with this. yeah. You know, and you didn't have the community or the framework for somebody to push you and stretch you more. And sometimes mm-hmm. just creating this 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 accountability, this 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 goal setting, it, it gives a lot of people a lot of self worth. You would hear a yeah. lot of patients, people who recovered from illness and disease, that's when they became their better self. That's right. better self achieve their goals. They achieve new goals. Like people who have never ran a marathon before mm-hmm. after getting over cancer, they want to run a marathon. I want to skydive. I want to kayak across a, a, mm. a, a lake because, you know, they found this newfound inner strength. It was there all along. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you have the, the stress, of a disease or yeah. an illness or a complication. It's sort of, you know, like we, we say in the Caribbean, iron sharpens iron. Something hard happens, but it sharpens you. It makes you better. Yeah, you know? yeah. I
0: like that saying. And, and, you know, for, for all the people that I interview, I call it their redirect. You know, whatever happens yeah. to you. I've had people with 65% of their body burnt, and yet she stood up on America's Got Talent and sang. And if people initially saw, you know, the disfigurement. And then right. they heard her sing and they saw the beauty.
1: And, and she it was, was awesome. she was beautiful. Yeah,
0: Akeshi, um, please yeah. don't Listen to her on the show. I've interviewed her twice: once on her own, and another one with a burn victim who's a veteran, and, and really and very empowering shows. And, you yeah. know, there was a, something she said to me in one of the shows: "Is I've got to be careful how much I walk because I don't have much skin on my feet." And there's things that we take for granted, and that you don't realize other people have a challenge, but that doesn't stop her from walking. It's just means right. she's got to be mindful. Right. mindful of her limitations and that's sometimes when you are in recovery you're not ever going to get back up to 100% there's going to be something you'll always carry with you that adjustment that you've got to have to it it's not the end of it of life or anything it's it's now a readjustment to what works for you do you find in your recovery practice that that's probably the hardest thing for people to adjust
1: to i think it's so what I think is the hardest thing for people to adjust to is the fact, and they don't even know if it's an adjustment. It's an acceptance that that I have limitations now, right? Yeah. Um, because I, I work, a lot i I see oncology patients but i really see more breast cancer recovery patients and so what i find is that this woman this mother this wife wants to go back and do everything she wants to do immediately after surgery right um once they feel that they're healed the wound is closed on the outside they want to go back and i mean and and it's, it's like me telling them like i know you feel like you're there but you're not there yet you know you look healed on the outside but you're still healing on the inside and one of the things we have to caution them is, is a slow reintroduction into things that they want to do. So, like the, the most um, outstanding example in my mind, and it really hurt me, was like around the same time this year, we had had a patient that had had a mastectomy. Um, she had healed. I was following up, just making sure, doing her um, post surgical, checking for the wound healing, checking for range of motion and swelling. And we had the whole conversation of things to avoid. And um, it's so interesting. She went into the kitchen and decided to do Christmas dinner. And she came to me the the week after Christmas, I mean, swollen. And I was, Mm. what did you do? And when she explained to me what she did, but I said, I told you, you know, try and avoid the heat. She's like, well, I didn't realize. I just wanted to get back into cooking. Mm. I want to take care of my family. I of my kids to know mommy's okay. And I wanted my husband to know that he still had a wife. And I'm like, but you weren't even a good three weeks out of surgery. Right. And,
0: where's the value on you? You know, where's exactly. the same caring you're wanting to give your family? Where are you? It needs to be on you. And it needs so, to also allow the family to put it on you. Not this expectation, exactly. I've now got to be everything for you. No, no, no
1: but it's the acceptance of understanding that I'm I have to take a li- I have to take it a little slow. I have to yes. slow it down. You can do it next Christmas, but this right. Christmas move. no. No, delegate. Like Somebody else it. could do it. Yes. Exactly. It's almost like they want to do everything as soon as possible to prove to the world that look, I kicked cancer in the butt and I yep. can keep going. Yeah, but there's a process. There's a time yes. to heal and then there's a time to go back into full. And you know, and it's, it's a lot of times explaining that to them. No, no you can't go lifting five bags in the grocery. Right. Over, exactly. let's let's build up let's strengthen those muscles back right, right. um it, it's just sometimes I just think that they they tax their body to see what they can really get out of it afterwards and 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 that acceptance of knowing that I have to limit myself and incrementally get back to where I was is it's the hardest thing to stress because they feel like you're limiting them you're not giving me the opportunity to be who I can be after this I want yeah. to show the world that I could survive this You could do it, but let's just go slow. Like I said, let's step those goals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Very, very important. I remember, you know, after my C-section, you know, I remember somebody saying to me, this is the only operation where you're going to lift weights afterwards, baby, stroller, (laughs) and everything else. And it's like I was, it was, uh, she was a December 15th baby. And I'm, I, I don't know how this happened, but I ended up with somebody's mother for Christmas I know and I'm um, we did go out for Christmas Day for dinner, but you know, I had a, a little harder recovery with this new baby, yeah. and it was so stressful. And it's like, why did I not say no? Why did I say no? I need time to recover, you know, it's had a major operation, and I have this baby right. to look after, and I'm not sleeping, it's not like I can go home and rest and recover. You've got a newborn right and you're trying to be superwoman and take all of this on and you're not getting the sleep and you're getting cranky and it's affecting the whole family you know sometimes Mm -hmm. we just have to think sensibly right what would you tell your friend
1: yeah yeah and i and then we have to be careful too because a lot of people come with their stories well child i had you know i had my baby and i bounced back right you just had a baby everybody has a baby yeah but that's the thing nobody tells you the repercussions and the side effects that you don't heal you have pelvic floor dysfunction you don't cough very well sometimes you have what we call a diastasis recti where the, the, the um, muscles don't come back together because we've overdone it we've worked so right. hard initially we didn't allow our body to seal back. It took nine months for this baby to yeah. belly, The body to expand. Yeah. We can't expect it to zip back like that. Right. So a lot of my friends, you know, as a physical therapists in this realm, we always say it takes them a year to have a baby and a year to recover from having that yes. baby. And I don't think we emphasize that mm-hmm. enough because, you may not see your side effects or the repercussions initially but later on and you know i I came across a statement and it it was i think i would seen it somewhere on social media and it says be careful what you tolerate because you teach people how to treat you and we have to sometimes say no like you said say no i can't do it i am healing so the next time you go through an episode where you need to heal people be respectful and understand that there's been a boundary already established and they would go a little easier into approaching you. You know?
0: And you know, why do we have this problem of of saying no? I'm sorry, I am recovering. I need to take some time out right now. Don't ask anything of me that I cannot give. When I'm back into full health, I'll be there again. Why do we have a problem saying that?
1: I think we've just been conditioned over years. We had to prove ourselves that we're strong and that we're, we bounce back and we're resilient. Yes, we are, but then we're also injured. We're mm-hmm. we gave birth, we need to heal. You know, um, in, 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 in the Bahamas, my dad told me when women had babies for nine days, they couldn't go outside. Mm-hmm. The windows were kept closed. They were bound up like they They were actually tied with 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 sack with clots on their on their abdomen so the body could mend and heal and and the village took care of them right, right? Now we have the instance where you have a baby. The doctor wants to see you and the baby in the office in two to three days. You have stitches somewhere.
0: Right, exactly.
1: You're, you're still sore and busted because, I mean, yes. that's, we, just, we just let go of five to seven pounds someplace that doesn't stretch that much often. Right, exactly. You know, and, so really, and so as we've gotten more educated and, and, and advanced in medicine, we have seemed to have neglected the basics. And um, it's very important that we have these conversations and remind ourselves that no, why, why should I have to, to pull this child out and go out just for you to look at the baby and say it's okay. Maybe we need to change that. Um, we're fortunate that some public, um, um, the hospital uh, public system here would send mothers into the homes, I'm sorry, nurses into the home right. and see the mothers the public system, but most of the private doctors expect you to come to them. And I think you're really doing a disservice and it also makes the mother feel like she shouldn't be resting, right? You need to be up and doing it. It takes a village to raise a child. And that village starts in the time you give birth or even before you give yes, birth. Yes, the preparation right? yeah. we just need to remind each other. We need to have this conversation more frequently that look, this is not how it was done back in the day. We rested, we healed properly, we made sure we were okay, we took care of things that needed to be mended, and we need to make sure that we say to our friend, look, I need you to relax, I got you. I'll I'll cook you a pot of soup so you don't have to feed the kids. You know, she just had a baby. Three or four people, carpool, take the kids to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I'm speaking like there's no partner involved. And sometimes there isn't a partner involved. Right. But, you know, as women, <laughs> and I don't want to neglect the men. But as women, sometimes we have to see ourselves and each other. And what would I want? What would help me recover a little better? And, um, you know, as a nurturer, as, as, as the, the, the nurturer, we have to nurture our own, right?
0: You can't help anyone else. I mean, and there's this wonderful show, Calling the Midwife you know, uh, which is, you know, two stories coming, you know, back from the fifties and sixties where, you know, the midwife would follow your pregnancy, you know, be there for the birth afterwards, making sure everything goes all right, allowing the time. If you did have a baby in the hospital, you were there 10 days before you went home, you know, that allowed you to adjust, get onto the feeding schedule, get the rest. And that's what you need, you know, all of a sudden to be kicked out. I mean, I was three days after my uh, C-section, went home, two other small children, one of them sick, Christmas, a house guest, and a baby that was having stress because my milk wasn't coming in properly because I was stressed. (laughs) So why do we do that? And of course, the medical system today isn't about nurturing a mother after she's given birth. It's about off you go home. You know, it's all the bottom dollar. We need the bed.
1: We need the bed.
0: Yes. You know, it's allowed, this is where you call on your community or your family. Uh, And as you said, you know, if you, if you have to cook a whole lot of meals ahead of time in the freezer, you know, arrange for people to pick up Joey. And if there is a husband on board, you're going to take time off work and be there for those initial time and bond with your child. And, you know, and do it together but you know whether it's giving birth or whether it's surviving cancer or as you also specialize in diabetes family support and family acceptance and family understanding not just the physical but the emotional thing you're going through is imperative isn't it
1: it is it's extremely important um you know we it, all of the research always indicates that the people that get the most support tend to thrive and do better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can imagine trying to get through cancer alone versus having a full family coming there and supporting. It makes a whole heap of difference. Yes. Just having somebody sit with you somebody to pray with you meditate with you whatever your spirituality calls for you to do just knowing that somebody's holding space for you right yeah. to realize that I don't have to go and pick up the kids from school whilst I'm doing chemotherapy somebody can do that for me yeah. you know now I'm not saying don't exercise and don't move around because we need you to be physically active as you yeah. do chemotherapy and radiation but to taking away that extra responsibility and that extra stress like I said for those four to six weeks or however long that person's going through that therapy it alleviates like and I always tell people my patients look the energy that you give to stressing out and worrying and hiding we have a lot of people that hide their diagnosis as well they don't want people to know when you take energy from and put it in those areas that's the energy that you could be concentrating to healing this body and giving this body the best chance to rebound. So let's try and stay away from those things that suck your energy that don't, you don't have to give energy to. Mm. And let's feed and nurture this body, this soul, this mind because mental wellness is a big part of it too. Cause if it's not working up here, nope. everything else is going to go. haywire. Nope. Hey,
0: Domino effect completely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we have to make sure you pick your village, you pick the people mm. that you know that you can call on and support. And sometimes it's not even family, Right. right? Yes. Blood Uh, blood is thicker than water, but then I don't know. Sometimes, you know, family, friends are strong. Sometimes water
0: might be more understanding.
1: Exactly. So um, just be very, very careful with who you select. And, you know, you just, you have to know your tribe. You have to know your tribe.
0: And it's very important you do have that tribe. I mean, yeah. when we look at the village or the tribe in any culture that has gone before us, um, it, the village is only as strong as everybody in it, as everybody participating in it. And you have the people that you know, are going through struggles and, the, and then there's the celebrations and there's the time the whole village needs to come to for each other. But that's the point. It was the village that raised the child. Nobody was had the burden of having to carry the whole load. And we've gone into a society now where we're meant to suck it up carry the whole load. be wonder woman or be wonder person and uh, uh, and the definition of your success is the big house the big car the big that even though it's so stressful working and balancing a family and everything else to have that we've done so much damage to ourselves that you know they say that cancer is an 80 percent emotional disease that yeah. is brought about by so much an emotional distress and um, there's a wonderful um, imamoto water test which i don't know if you remember the three rooms with the three waters uh, water ignored water filled with hate and unhappiness another one filled with love the ignored water stayed the same the hate water literally turned black and toxic and the love water literally crystallized into high frequency which is what we're meant to resonate on
1: the energy the energy
0: exactly we're 70 percent water Our brains are 90% water. If you're feeding that negativity to it all the time, it's going to call dis-ease, where the body is going to break down. And whether it comes out in diabetes, whether it comes out in cancer, whether it comes out in something else, it's going to find a way to say, hey, sorry, you're know, you ignoring me. You're not giving me the love. I'm going to have to give you this for you to change and redirect, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cosmic two-by-four, I call it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's so
0: important. It, it's very important, and you know, I've interviewed a lot of people with cancer. My sister's been through cancer and leukemia. I've um, I've had other family members die from it, and uh, I think also, I think an enormous thing that you have to have with anything that you face here is a positive attitude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, um, one of the books that I've read, I think it's The Secret, yeah. one of the women that shared her story, I can't recall her name, but she said she was given the, the diagnosis of cancer and she said, I'm going to laugh my way through it. She mm-hmm. said she surrounded herself with positive energy. Um, and she only watched comedies and she laughed her way through it. And, and this is what you have to do you have to create that frequency around you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have those moments where you ebb, right? Yeah. But then that's when you really need that concentration of, of positivity around you. So even when your little lamp starts to dimmer, somebody's going to come in there and say, hey, what's up? Let's pick this up, you know? And we, we want you to go through those emotions, right? Yes. Because it, it's important that you, you honor the feeling. Mm-hmm. You because ignoring the feeling, again, is depleting energy from another energy, from, from a positive source to try and dampen something that your body has to go through. Yes. But it's how you deal with it and how quickly you rebound from it that's going to make the difference. And so, you know, I, I, I am so blessed to work in this environment. A lot of people, I remember when I first got into it, my, my coworkers were like, my colleagues were like, why do you want to work with people that's dying? And I'm like, everybody is dying. Yeah. You know, at least they know what the probable cause is going to be. But the thing is, is that they needed to be served. Somebody needed to stand in the gap and hear that conversation. When I got into oncology rehab 14 years ago, I was crazy. I was looked at as crazy. When I started the lymphedema therapy, um, I remember going around to the doctors, like, could you please send me your patients? They're like, oh, my patients don't get lymphedema. And that's because maybe... The patients weren't living long enough to develop this late long-term side effect of it, right? We've seen the cancer survival rate incrementally increase in the last 14 years. And I'm honored to be there and see these people's lifespan, these life expectancy increase but um they need it they need us you know if you've seen how oncology rehab is mushroomed in the years yes. we have a, a group of us to call ourselves the oncology mafia because we go after things <laughs> nobody else
0: goes after you.
1: <laughs> you lost the breast the skin is tight you have scar tissue you have swelling newborn you're a little numb you're tingling you can't walk good that's okay you don't have cancer anymore no it's quality of life yes that's what we're fighting for we want you to have the best quality of life Possible, and um, it is just—it's just an honor to serve. And I can't tell you how much the people that I have served have have grown me and pulled me and stretched me. And I don't have hundred percent success stories, and when I say I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the whole oncology team, but right. these people become my people. And I remember there was one patient that I had was terminally ill. She had had the the wound, the the tumor had come out to the skin, so she had to get wound grafting. But I was still trying to get rid of this, some of the edema. And I remember she was so painful. I was there doing the wound dressings, and I came in, I just started to cry, and and I felt so bad, but I I just knew her pain, and I just yeah. knew the finality, the finality of, of the situation. And she said to me, and she turned she so, turned to me and she said, Kitty, don't worry. You'll get the strength. God will give you the strength to go on. And then I completely lost it. And so I'm like, <laughs> I am here like to your strength. You. <laughs> <laughs> And you're fortifying me. I can tell you, there are days when I feel like, ooh, I don't know if I could pull, still pull this profession or pull this, this service. And then I remember her, her saying that. And I'm like, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to make somebody's life, how small it is, better, to let them know that there is value in the next day, that you know, we're we're gonna make this the best day we can ever have it, you know. And then I've seen patients where I'm like, I don't even know why y'all calling me, because this person is just like there, you know, very early on. I, I wasn't well trained in palliative care in my first two years of it, so I didn't deal with dying very well. I got some training and that helped me. Mm-hmm. But I've seen people that everybody gave up on, and like they're still here. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> Don't yeah. Is
0: one. I mean, if everything that's happened to her and the health issues that she's got now, and it's like exactly you know, they said, but you should have been dead so long ago. And you know, we had another health scare this year, and somebody said to me when they, when I said what she had, oh, yeah, should be dead. yeah you know you call yourself a caregiver thank you but and she's still going you know for some people it is the challenge to keep going and but we also have to actually understand that that soul contract that we write before we come here that sometimes our lives are meant to be over early and and that our cancer or our disease or whatever's taking us home is there not for our lesson but maybe for somebody else's and, you know and, and that's you know god works in very mysterious ways and sometimes we as you said it's not about being able to save the person it's about being able to help the person
1: right. and
0: be as pain free as possible till the end of time and right. yeah i mean it's you know or you develop a thick skin no you can't do your kind of work with a thick skin But it's how do you release it at the end because you're going to feel that and it's how do you let it go because otherwise it will
1: eat you up. So I, for me, I, there's a we have this standard joke in our clinic because like, you see patients come in and sometimes when I do their their social and medical history, I ask them questions. I go in because mm-hmm. to meet your needs, I need to know what they are. And sometimes we don't even know how to articulate our needs, right? And so I get this quizzical, look, why are you asking me all of this? And I'm like, look, we because I need to know. And then sometimes that evokes emotions that they've been trying to ignore and they start to cry. And I'm like, look, we have Kleenex in every room. Let's go for <laughs> Right, I will cry. I will cry. I will hug you. I will go through whatever you've gone through. But I can tell you, there are a lot of people that I've come across that have never had care, love, affection, touch, mm. as when they're going through this process. And so many things come out during this yeah. time. And so you have to be very, I have to be very mindful and very aware of what's happening with this process, and um, and be very and be very very. Um, attentive to their needs and let them know that it's okay for us to do this. Yes. You know, and, and it's not easy. You ask me how I release. I release sometimes just by talking to them and telling them what my fears are and what my stresses are. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm not adequately serving them. I let them know that I won't be able to solve all of their problems. Right. But, I'm here. but then I also have, I've worked on, on being very spiritual myself. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, my strength doesn't come from me. It comes from a higher being, and I have to acknowledge that, and I have to go back to the source many times. And then my village, I have women and men that feed me and hold me up and and remind me that I need to take time for myself and that I need to nurture myself and I need to release. I can't heal the whole world. There's one of my... um emergency room doctors always tells me, he's like, Kitty, you physical therapist think you can fix everything. I'm like, that's what I'm here for to fix everything. And, he's like, you can't. and it's acknowledging that I can't, yeah. but it's like you said, I'm making your process easy. I'm going to love you through this. If it's to the end or if it's just through this phase of your life where you bounce back, it's okay because I've accepted that this is my calling and this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to love you through it. And it's not easy all the time. I, I don't go to funerals. I just don't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just it's find not it. Your
0: ending. Yeah.
1: It's, you know, and I tell them, you're like, don't, don't try and die because I'm not going to do your funeral. And people laugh <laughs> when I say that, but I've just found that emotionally, it's very fatiguing for me and it takes me out for a day or two because I'm so emotionally invested yeah. in that person. It, it, it's a lot. And so, you know, and um, I sort of took that stance. One, one, one week I had three people die. I'm like, no, I can't do this. I can't do three funerals. And then I yeah. realized that loving them and letting them go
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a lot easier for me than to go and sit through the finality of the funeral. It's okay. I want to see you. at, remember you when you were there. And, and, you know, and so that's probably one of my coping techniques. Um, Writing a lot, I write a journal. Um, that helps a lot, and then just speaking to the other people. That yeah. that really helps as well. Sharing sharing somebody else's story with somebody else is therapeutic to me because I'm not keeping it all inside. I'm actually I'm actually sharing the lesson that I've I've learned, giving the gift of somebody else's experience that might help somebody. Feel better, feel stronger, cope with it better, face the finality easier, face the opportunity of another day. Look, that person doesn't have tomorrow. You have tomorrow. You have today. What are you doing? Are you going to have a pity party and stay here for 24 hours or we are going to cry for an hour and a half and get on with it? You know, I've had a patient say to me, Kitty, I'm just going to give up. And I'm like, okay, so when you give up, what are you going to do? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you're giving up, you got to do something else. And she was like, no, but I'm giving up. Yeah. And then what are you going to do when you give up? And then she realized how ridiculous giving up sounded. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> you know? It's not like you're just, just checking out. You're still here.
1: You're still <laughs> here. So what are we doing, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just still find ver- um, various means. And I know I have to keep working at it. But no, there's no way that I feel I have it all under control. There is no way that I feel I don't need it because I do need it. Um, even opportunities like this to share is therapeutic for me. It allows me to release. Like I said, it allows me to share. And um, we're all a work in progress, you know. Um, yes. Research says that you shouldn't stay in oncology for long periods of time, and I think that's why I temper my practice with general orthopedics. I do some student, I um, volunteer with the um, national teams and do athletes. Um, I'm doing diabetics, so it, it's not a hundred percent oncology. And there's enough diversity in my practice that that allows me a breath of of difference. I shouldn't say as not fresh air, a breath of difference. Right. So, I'm still challenged in my realm, in my realm of physical therapy, but I, my love, my passion is specifically more so for the oncology, chronic diseases. Yeah,
0: right. you know, folks, I want you to just take a pause here and just remember what you've just heard here the exuberance of the love and the passion for what she does and bear in mind now she's going to bring to you every week this passion and this knowledge on her own and with other guests and we are going to bear the fruits of that and whether it's you or somebody you know what you're going to learn from this woman and knowledge and how to care for people that maybe it just maybe is a neighbor maybe it's, it's a friend maybe it is a relative maybe it's yourself all of this knowledge is going to be so fruitful for you because when somebody's hurting, we want to be able to help them the best we can. And often we feel crippled because we don't know how to go about and do it. And uh, do we? what do we say? We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to do the wrong thing. And knowing how to care for someone going through it, whether it's all the time or just popping in as a friend or as a neighbor, whatever the case is, as a spouse, very important, as the children, um, is empowering not only to you, but to them as well. But having somebody this is her passion this is a conviction you've just heard it and the knowledge we're going to learn from her and her guests and uh is just oh, love having you here darling love having you here
1: thank you thank you for having me
0: now let's talk about diabetes etc um mm-hmm. epidemic of type 2 diabetes type 1 is is hereditary you you're going to get it but type 2 is a is an onslaught of it. I kind of feel it's like the, the opioid addiction right now because diabetes can be prevented with diet, with a change of lifestyle. When we look at how much sugar is in absolutely everything we eat, especially if it's processed, um, that and people immediately are pushing people to insulin. Um, you know, no. I've, had, I've had infections with doctors and they go, oh, you're diabetic. I said, no, I'm not, I've got an infection. Once the infection's gone, so has they, that, they oh, no, 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 we've got to get you on insulin. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> and I don't have diabetes. And it's, do we rush too much to the insulin? Do we rush too much to accepting the diagnosis? You know, the, what do you do to help diabetics?
1: So um, what I've found, especially in my population, is that the signs are there, but they're not aware of the signs. And by the time they finally get into the doctor, they're late stages. Mm -hmm. And so they probably need the insulin, unfortunately. But what it shows and what it reflects is that we're not doing enough as the patient to make sure that we're getting ourselves evaluated and checked with our blood glucose and having our annuals. Mm -hmm. We're not doing enough as patients, but we're not also doing enough as healthcare providers. So Mm -hmm. providing the information, talking to them about frequent urination, talking about the difference in in the way they feel. Um, If you're putting on weight, if you're losing weight, the signs and symptoms, we need to make them very aware. Now I see a shift towards, um, we're talking more about preventative care in terms of food, in terms of physical activity, but I don't think we're hounding in um, hard enough. And so this is where I wanted to make the dent because I, because I treat the um, orthopedic patients, the knees, the hips, the backs, the necks, the shoulders. When I do the intake and I'm asking the patients to please write down your medicine, your medication, I'm seeing um, glucophage, I'm seeing um, metformin and I'm like, are you diabetic? And in the Bahamas, it's really funny, they don't have diabetes. Sometimes we have a touch of sugar, that's what we call it. You know, and you know, I mean, I said, you need a touch. How long have you had it?" Well, I've had it for five years. When last did you check your blood glucose? I don't know. I only check it when I go to the doctor. So these people aren't doing due diligence. Right. And I'm like, this is HbA1c, and they were like, "What's that?" You know. And so we're not we're not getting what we need to get. And so I realized too that the people that are coming in with the foot and back and knee issues are having it because they have peripheral neuropathy, which is presenting with proprioception deficits. They're not walking properly, the biomechanics is off. And it's probably because we have that peripheral neuropathy at the end of it. And when we do the foot assessment, I find that they're, they're at risk. They're, they have neuropathy. Um, we usually test 10 points. Probably testing five out of those, and they're not responding. So there are issues that are underlying, caused by diabetes, but manifesting as as orthopedic issues. Okay. Outside of the fact that they're not physically active, that they may have had a previous injury. So it just this whole sequence of events. Um, and so what I do is that I'm like, okay, we need to be more accountable. So we like get your meter, we'll test your meter. I'm sorry, we'll test you. We make, teach you how to, to check with your meter. We make sure you go and get your HbA1c um done so you know what your number is because again I'm all about goals so if your HBA1C is over 6 or over 7 we're working to get this down and right. you now have to be accountable to that right. and then we work on and, and on um correcting not correcting but training um the patient to be more aware because if there's peripheral neuropathy and proprioception is your joint sense if you don't know where your foot is in space mm-hmm. you don't know where your foot is falling because the nerves that, are, that tell the joints where to be and the muscles how to operate you have muscle wasting we Then try and work from the outside in with that. So we do neuromuscular re education where we're retraining the nerve, we're retraining the muscle. People, you know, they they tend to say peripheral neuropathy is progressive. It can be progressive. It probably is progressive, but can we retard the progress? Yes, we can. Can we reverse? The progress? Maybe not, but can I reverse the symptoms of weakness? I could. Can I enhance circulation? I can. Can I increase a greater awareness for you with your joint um, sense? I can. And so this is where I push in and I'm like, this is what we're going to do. So even though you've come to me with back pain and whatever pain, because I've identified you as a diabetic, now we're going to do an intervention to address diabetes um, your presentation and see if we can make some appreciable changes in that presentation systemat- systemically and then Hopefully, because you're more mindful and more aware now, we're going to convert that and take that carryover into orthopedic. So, you know, I'm, I've really gotten passionate about it. Um, I sort of got into the neuropathy because I was seeing so many um, patients that had taxane treatment with chemotherapy presenting with neuropathy. And I'm like, this is a big problem. You know, we're an aging population with age comes weakness. You have impaired sight. So you're more at risk of falls. With falls, you have fractures. With mm-hmm. fractures, you have an increased rate of dying. So we have to try and hit this at different levels. We just can't wait for it to come in at the end. What can we do now to intervene and create positive changes?
0: Stitch in time, right? Yeah. So is, yes. uh, is there a history of it? Uh, um, knowing that you, know, you might be a candidate for it or being aware of your own body changes, And, uh, you know, taking again some of that ownership and responsibility, okay, I need help with this. I need help to get it under control. I need uh, knowledge to know what to do with it. We can't ignore it because ignoring it will have you exit here very quickly. So it's, you know, um, know, your health is your uh, your choice. I have a show under that. And the reason I use that title is that we get hit with things. have a neurological damage through accidents and things like that. It has a reoccurring, you know, a ricochet effect through the body. That is what happened to me. But it's my responsibility to look for ways to deal with it, to live with it, to heal it to the best I can. And we can't just sit back and just go, oh, I'm, well, I, you know, I've got this or hope the doctor gives me a magic pill. Because most of the time there is a therapeutic answer to something, isn't there? And it's just yes. being willing to open up and be willing to do the work and be willing to explore what the
1: options are. Yes. Yes. And letting them know that there's help here for them. There is. Yes. There's, structured help and, and it's a holistic approach right yes we're making them more mindful and more accountable we're doing the physical aspect of it and then that overall is going to help with the whole thing about it and i with mindfulness comes the spirituality has to come in yes. place because even if you honor yourself we yes. starting something. Mm -hmm. And I, and it's so important. And like I said, these people, a lot of people have not been exposed to this level of care or any care on this matter. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to make sure that they know that it's available and that they don't feel so hopeless that, okay, I have diabetes. I'm just going to end up dying. My foot's going to get chopped off. I'm going to have kidney failure. It's it's letting them know that we can make interventions and we can change this. And this is where we want to work. And this is our whole emphasis of pushing.
0: And you know, this is right, the reason why your show is called, you know, um, recovering on the whole of you. You're yeah. not going in and just say, you know, oh, you've got that knee or neck problem or just deal with that. Because if you're not paying attention to the whole of you, there's a whole reason that, why that broke down. Uh, yeah. And that these because something over here and something over there that's blocking the energy here or doing that there. And you have to pay attention to the whole of you in order to have whole health. And we see so much in the medical system today where they're just directional to one thing, but they're not taking care of of the root of it or addressing the side effects of it or the effect that it's having on another part of the body emotional or physical so it really is like that's the symptom but where does the symptom stem back from and how do we address the whole of it i'm so excited about your shows and what you're going to bring will you start sharing with us a little bit about what you are going to bring you know kind of people you're going to be bringing on and what people can be expecting from your wonderful show
1: um, so what I what I hope to bring, or what I will bring, is I want to highlight people that work in healthcare, not just healthcare professionals, but our hands-on people, but also mm-hmm. educators and facilitators and health promotion promoters, because I find that we don't know who all exist, and we don't know how they can help us, and I, I think highlighting this would make people more aware of what options that they have and what's available to them, and then I also want to empower younger people because Mm -hmm. I find that everybody – well, not everybody. I find that young people, when you ask them what they want, oh, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a physical therapist, I want to be a nurse, there's so many other – healthcare professions out there that need the numbers and the masses. Like we need more occupational therapists. We need more speech therapists, right? Mm -hmm. We need recreational therapists, um, people that work in the lab, people that are doing the research that we can actually have this empirical data to go ahead and be more effective. And by shining the light on people that work in these different areas, I want to empower and encourage younger people to have other choices. You have options. And you know, just don't go with the five or six that you know, but yes. do that. But also making information accessible and easy for people, Bringing awareness to the diseases that we talk about every day, but nobody has a clue about how to try <laughs> it out. Yes. Right? Right.
0: And then- oh, you yeah, it's a label. With, yes. without, any, without any of, the, you know, the directions underneath, you know. So, yeah. And
1: hopefully, yeah. right, and hopefully we we'll provide support and coping yes. skills so that you know how yes. to manage the diseases that you have. So it's just bringing it down to the level, to make it in bite-sized chunks that you can digest, that you can get through with it and all of that, and that's what I really hope to do.
0: Now, of course, I know that you're going to be covering cancer and I know you're going to be covering diabetes, but can mm-hmm. you give us maybe some other diseases that you're going to be addressing as well? So people who may be listening to this not know that, oh, definitely that addresses me
1: yeah okay so i mean as a physical therapist i see practically everything so we're going to address everything and so i'm going to try and deal with specifically the non-communicable diseases the ones that are usually passed over you know Mm -hmm. um but i also want to do active things in terms of ergonomics how are you taking care of your body as you go to work for the eight hours how are you sleeping your sleeping postures your sitting postures um we talked about women's health I have fantastic friends that work in women's health that have so much information to give postpartum after having a baby, postmenopause after going through what we call change of life, dealing with these things, right? For men getting dealing with
0: getting your libido back, which of course exactly. I'm a wonderful guest for you to interview there. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> so we don't want to leave the men out dealing with sex after prostate yeah. cancer or having yeah. or having diabetes or being on medication that's going to change the way your your erection responds, right? right? Yes. And so we want to cover everything, and and you know, I'm a physio first, so it's, everything is going to be function-driven. How do we make you live your life better? How do we recover the whole of you without neglecting the bits and pieces and small parts?
0: Are you going to be covering fibromyalgia? Because it's an incredibly misunderstood disease. We will definitely be recovering
1: Excellent. recovering that and giving people coping skills. Because to me, it's just coping with it. I shouldn't say right. just because I do in no way want to demean what people are are. Or minimise what people. No, but are it is. Through.
0: It is. You know, um, um, I, I interviewed one of the leading doctors, uh, Faber Maunder doctors, where other doctors go to him to try and understand it because it's understood right. this disease. There's 31 points to for Faber Maunder. Uh, I claim 29 of those, and it was misdiagnosed and people just not knowing what's wrong with me. It has been upgraded to a disease that is not curable but manageable, and it's yeah. learning the techniques of how to yeah. manage it, and that's what yeah. people need to actually understand because it cripple you if you do not listen to it and you don't learn to manage it and that learning to manage it and understanding the triggers and what to do um you know is absolutely essential and that is probably going to be more than one show love (laughs) (laughs) because of all the points in there there's so much yeah and and things like falbermargin never used to exist you know, people right. have A, B, or C, and now A, B, or C is all under this one umbrella. And I think right. that is an awful lot to do with the fact that people are just so stressed today. And it's so stress. anxious. They don't know how to handle it either,
1: do they? And then it, it's self-care. It's, yes. not only, it's not only stress, it's the self-care. How are you managing the stress? But then also, what are you putting into your body? So, yes. you know, I... I, I'm also a health coach, and and I struggle with it. I realized, I used to hear about emotional eating or 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 self-neglect, and I didn't realize until I started seeing it with me doing it in myself. Like you're not giving yourself the best right. opportunity. You're not recognizing which foods resonate with you better or not. And sometimes we realize because it's an inflammatory process as well. Yes, okay, foods that are inflammatory can yes. change your the presentation of your symptoms, Absolutely. and so. There again, are you are you logging? When do you feel your symptoms the worst? What did you eat? What did you do? Who were you around? Because sometimes the people yeah. we have in our lives can stress us. Oh boy! So either oh, boy. We, either we remove up. ourselves <laughs> from these people, or we change the way we relate to these people, so they don't have such a, a we won't have such a stressful um, response to them. And it's hard. It's it's hard because some of these people are very close to us. And then we have to make these decisions, but then again, if we're not given the opportunity to recognize that this may be a cause, we're going to sit in this area beating ourselves on a wall, not understanding that we need to change our environment, we need Mm. to change our. Food. We need to change our coping skills. You know, we need to, to add things into our lives that are going to dilute some of this toxicity that we've built up, you know, yes. whether it's environmental or whether it's coming from us on the inside. It's changing your mind, for your mindset, changing the way you choose to respond. And it is a choice. It's a it's yes. a learned behavior, but then you have to choose to change that behavior. And it's, it's often enough, I don't think we address that with our patients. We treat them for an hour in front of, mm-hmm. Us and send them back into the same chaos, and we wonder why we don't get long-lasting, appreciable differences. Is because sometimes what's manifesting is just the symptom of what's happening someplace else. So. Yes. I'm on my phone, so I'll stop. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's so important. It's so important. I'm, have- gonna, I'm so glad
0: you're going there. I mean, as I said, I've just interviewed somebody who, you know, blind one eye and now going blind in the other. And there's the whole fear thing of how people are going to perceive her and her perception. Mm-hmm. Well, I must be useless now. Unless you've got degrees mm-hmm. in this, you still paint. You know, you still do this. it's It's called Beyond Eyesight. And I said, you're seeing beyond the eyesight, but you're still worried about how other people perceive her. And I think really? people listening to your shows, whether they have whatever you're talking about or not, is a great education to have empathy and understanding for what other people are going through so you know how to interact with them or push whatever their parameters are. Don't expect something from people that are going through A, B, and C well I can do it so therefore you can do it you don't right. know what they're going through what their body is going through so if you listen to these shows whether it is related to you or not you have a better understanding of the people around you and you develop more empathy, more caring and a better dialogue right stop exactly. becoming their stress and your expectation start being exactly. more understanding and caring
1: exactly exactly yeah oh. no I, I I, I think this, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to share and highlight a lot of things.
0: Oh, that you've got so much done. material there. This is fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait. And uh, as I say, quite a number of guests that I've got for you that, that you you will bring up the dynamite in them. And, and uh, I'm very, very happy to have you on SelfDiscoveryRadioTV.com. And of course, our platform that we're about to go into in the new year, um, probably around late spring is is massive that all I can say at the present moment is that we are now merging with another um, platform that is now literally going to reach the millions very, very quickly. So that means that this kind of messaging is getting out a lot lot faster and it is needed. Um, So I'm delighted to have you on, perfect timing. People need to know this information and uh, you know, whether you are sick or not sick, whether you're facing a challenge or not facing a challenge, you still know, need to have some understanding of what it is out there um, in, in order to interact with people or, that to, or to understand the differences in your own body. How many people yeah. go, oh, I didn't know I was changing. I just thought I was tired because I was overworking. Or I didn't know that dizziness was caused by this or that. If you get tuned in, you're beginning to see the awareness of what's happening in your body and you can honor it before it becomes something that matters right. to something big. Prevention, right. Again.
1: right.
0: Fantastic, so your shows are starting the 1st of January, start this new year off with a bang and uh, um, get that information out there straight away. The first show is just basically going to be you talking about what you're going to be bringing to the shows. And then every week we're going to have you and another guest or another perception from you. And this is nuggets guys. This is something you share with family and friends. This is where you get a group together and you listen to the show or you watch the show because it's video and audio and you learn. And you've started conversation with each other because this isn't about uh, stigmatization, stigmatization of a judgment because somebody's got something. It's about support, caring, and understanding. We really need to step into that role a lot more, don't we?
1: we do we do and i just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity and the support that you've given me you know this is something that i've wanted to do and i do it all the time with patients but taking it out and making mm. sure that more people can benefit and hear the message i really really truly appreciate the opportunity for having for you having me and, and providing this platform for me Sarah.
0: ah blessed to have you and we really are um we used to have we have wonderful suma nathan Uh, in her 80s and we used to call her snake oil woman because back in the 60s that's what they used to call her because of you know the different style and it's um it's the uh, wise health show and wonderful information that she imparted through the years of you know poisons at the grocery store and this and that but you bring a totally different uh, dynamic to do with the prevention and the therapy and the recovery and uh and also the you know Uh, pre-needing to recover you know Uh, no matter what we do allow ourselves and our bodies to recover um, a heavy week at work or a stressful event or an overexertion it's because we keep pushing and pushing and pushing we expect this vehicle to carry on without taking care of it and it doesn't folks i promise you it will come and tap you on the head and go "Uh -uh, you're not paying attention rug from underneath your feet do you hear me now (laughs) so delighted to have you here um the show's going to run all the way through christmas season please share it out folks and uh, we're really uh, very excited to have kitty here and all the information that she's going to bring to you because it will save your life it will give you a better quality of life it will give you better understanding of those that are going through it so it will empower you to care for other people so kitty any past parting words for this christmas season for people a little tip that maybe they should be aware of
1: Um, My parting words is I want everybody to enjoy. Everything in moderation, practice the 80-20 rule, try and be good 80% of the time. So the 20% you may slip, you can make up for it with the 80%. Yes. Um, but really, really try and enjoy. And as you enjoy the season, make sure that you can touch somebody and help them enjoy it a little bit. Even if it's just a phone call from somebody that hasn't heard from you, um, dropping an extra gift off for somebody. And it doesn't have to be anything expensive. Yes. Just just reminding somebody to know that they somebody else um, taught thought thought about them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, this is one of my favorite times and it's just to see all of my family and friends in one spot. I just love Christmas. I, I, gifts are nice, but to know that we made it to another year and we're all here, that's, that's very important to me. So share your love, share your fellowship, share your food. And, um, I can't wait to see you all on the other side of this holiday season and, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here to listen.
0: <laughs> yes, and you're here to share. And you know, you're all to- about the sharing. And that's the thing. And that's the greatest gift. The greatest gift is in the sharing. And uh, this is absolutely wonderful. So, to everyone here, we wish you a wonderful, merry season. Um, you know, Merry Christmas, which is about togetherness. The family is that that sits around the table, sharing the great food and gratification and love and joy. And I wish that for every single one of you out there. Thank you, Kitty. And to everyone else out there, remember, it is Recovering the Whole of You starting January 1st right here on SelfDiscoveryRadioTV.com. And you are going to want to listen to these shows, share these shows, and learn from these shows because it could be a difference in the quality of your life or the quality of lives of your loved ones. So until next time, folks, bye for now. For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcasts, and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.